she has the epitome of a velvet hammer. And I've seen her walk up to people in the pregnancy center meeting room and she just flat out lays it out to them, they're going to hell, but they just accept it. They're like, oh, you're right. And she just has this way about her. Crazy. She's this picture in this way. She's a dedicated wife, mother of four boys. She has a heart for evangelism and to see people set free and healed through Jesus. She's mm-hmm. seen many saved during her employment Brandy at the Pregnancy this. Center as a former client service manager. Her heart's desire is to love and page Jesus with everything she has. You know, missiles in the air, bombs on the land, submarines, forge and underwater attack. These are areas of attack in the natural realm. In the spirit realm, Satan's weaponry attempts to immobilize us from transformation to the image of Christ for kingdom mission. So what's our offense against our unseen enemies? When Nicole comes, she's going to glance at Old Testament examples, looking at obedience and disobedience, and then take a deeper look at the obedience of Jesus. And then lastly, we'll examine our obedience in transformation and mission. Okay. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Okay, awesome. Praise Jesus. Okay. Randy, my husband, wrote that bio, just so you know. I, like, I can't write this stuff about myself. What am I supposed to write? So I did not write that about myself. Praise God. Okay. <laughs> um, I just want to pray, and then we'll get into it. Okay, Father, I just come in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I bless you, Lord, that we're here. I thank you for the words of encouragement, the things that you're speaking to us. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, you just move in us, Lord. Move in us, Lord. Use everything that everyone says here, Lord, to do something radical in us, Lord, because we love you and we want to follow you, Lord. And just help me Please get out all this that you told me, and Lord, just help us to forget about time. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> okay, so first I just want to say all the glory to God, because like this is not my thing. I told Jesus when I got saved, I will not talk in front of people, Lord. I was talking to Rachel about that last night. She's like, didn't you know? I'm like, no, I didn't know. I was a new Christian. <laughs> so I can't do this. This is him. Um, so I'm just giving him all glory. And I also want to say buckle up, because we're in for a ride here. Okay. <laughs> So he's given me a lot of stuff, and I just hope you can follow me. But you might not get some part, but something's for someone all today, okay? (laughs) All right, so we're in this battle like we've been talking about, and I love what Brianna said because, like, we're working from victory. The victory's already been won. We're working from victory. But it doesn't change the battle. And, like, we fight against Satan and his kingdom and the darkness, and we fight against our flesh, and we fight against the world. Um... And so here's a verse that, you know, God brought to me is like 1 John 3, 8. And it talks about, but he who commits sin, who practices evil doing is of the devil. Take his, so that means like taking his character from the devil um, from the beginning. And the reason the son of God was made manifest and visible was to destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works of the devil. Jesus came to dissolve the works of the devil, the sin. And, and so how he gets, you know, how he gets that authority in our life is like, temptation. So Jesus came to destroy, you know, this work. And Satan wants us to worship him. He wants to take us down with the temptation, the fear, um, intimidation, lust, power, greed, etc. Whatever it is that your flesh is drawn to, he, he wants to tempt you with that. He wants to keep us from God, from the relationship, and from obedience, and from the fruit of the Spirit. He wants us to walk in the flesh and desire the things of the flesh and not the will of God. Okay, so how do we fight, right? Now, I'm sure you're going to hear a lot of things today, but what I'm going to talk about is James 4, 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Obedience as a weapon. 
I'm going to talk about obedience to God. Now, this is an enormous topic that is the whole Bible. So <laughs> I'm not going to exhaust it. And some of the things I'm going to say are just going to like intertwine, but I'm going to have them in a certain order for a reason. But, um, you know, we're not going to exhaust this. Also, I just want to testify, you know, I've had obedience in my life, but I've also had disobedience in my life. You know, um, so it, wherever we're at, you know, today the Lord wants to speak to us and draw us into deeper obedience. So um, we're going to talk about, my title's just obedience now, I've changed it, but we're going to answer a couple questions. <laughs> and I talk with my hands. We're going to answer a couple questions. Okay. Um, why obedience and where does it come from and what does it look like? So that was my original topic. Okay. So first, um, why obedience, right? Okay, a couple scriptures. Uh, John 14, 23, those that love me, obey me. Romans 6, 16, it talks about being a slave. You're a slave to what you obey. And so if we're a slave to God, if we're a servant to God, we'll obey God. It means belonging in his family. It's faithfulness. It brings him worship and glory. And 1 John 2, 3, and by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. So it shows the world that we know him. That's what obedience does, okay? And I got this scripture that I'll tell you what, I thought about it for so long. So I'm going to share it. But Matthew 7, 17 through 22, you could read the whole thing, but basically he's telling them about um, there's like false people, false prophets, and, and their tree isn't bearing good fruit. And you can't have, you know, you can't be a good tree and bear bad fruit, on and on. And then he comes down and he's like, you know, so they say, Lord, Lord, to him. And they say, didn't I cast out devils in your name? Didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I, you know, I can't I remember if I wrote down the other thing, do something else in your name, do wondrous works. And Jesus said to them, depart from me, you who work iniquity, I never knew you. So you see, they were doing things, but they were doing them apart from the command of the Lord, apart from knowing him, apart from the relationship. And it didn't matter. It burned up. It's not, they're not with him. So we show that we know him by being obedient and also bearing fruit. Okay. So, um, Again, I'm not going to exhaust this topic. So that's why obedience. Now, where does obedience come from? Again, it's coming from the knowing. So I'm going to say faith, okay? Faith, where obedience comes from. We get into the kingdom through faith, okay, for what Jesus did. And um, faith comes from hearing, and hearing comes from the word of God. Okay, so we have to hear the words of God. The Bible, the word of God, his voice speaking to us. We have to hear these things and then we respond with our faith and the action is obedience. So the action of our faith is obedience. That's what the Lord spoke to me. The action of our faith is obedience. And the word obey in the Greek and Hebrew, in the Hebrew it's shama, in the Greek it's hukakei or something like that. But it means... It means hear attentively. It means hearken attentively to the command. So we could do a whole talk on attention in this world. We're not going to do that today. That's what we're talking about. But he wants us to be attentive, you know, to what he is saying. Be attentive, people. Open your ears and be attentive to his commands. Okay, so hearing the word of God and acting on it. 
and this deep intimacy of knowing him. So now we're going to go through, um, well, I want to put a disclaimer out here too as well. Okay, so I want to encourage us to seek him and return to our first love. That's a lot of what this is about. If you feel convicted, it's good. Conviction is good. You know, I tell Laura, I'm like, thank you, because I know I belong to you if you convict me that I'm doing something wrong, you know? So that's good. And we want to give time to respond to that, and we want to cry out for that. But what I don't want to do, my disclaimer, is this message is not to condemn you. You know, we're not talking about a sinless perfection. We're talking about having that communion with God, that you're walking with him by the Spirit, through the Spirit, in the Spirit, to fulfill the will of God and not the lust of the flesh, okay? So, we're on the same page. Now, listen, I love this book. I could go on and on about this book because it talks about the Creator, the one who wrote it, and it gets me close to him, and it gets me to know him. And if you're not in your Bible, if you hear anything, get in your Bible. I'm, I'm going to go through some you know, stories, old and new, I've changed that, we're not just talking about the old, um, and some verses, um, and we're going to look at, here's what I want you to start thinking and, and asking the Lord about, want to formulate a view of transforming into the image of Christ, what that's going to look like, because it's going to be fruit, it's going to be mission, it's going to be love and loyalty, and it's going to be suffering, okay, that's what it's going to look like, okay, so we're going to talk about some things, First scripture um, is 2 Kings 10, 15 through 17. I'm going to give you a little backstory about this. This is about Jehu. He was, um, oh, got to get in Kings and Chronicles, so good. So he was, um, he was a king that God picked to do a task, and it was to destroy all the descendants of Ahab, who was a wicked king. Um, and, uh, and so here I'm going to read this part. Um, Verse 16, so it's from 15 to 17, but I'm not reading all those. I'm just reading 16. And he said, so this is Jehu talking. He was talking to somebody else that he was calling out to. And he said, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. So he went on the chariot and his friend. And when they went, they came to Samaria and he struck down all who remained in Ahab and Samaria till he wiped them out according to the word of the Lord that was spoken to Elijah. He heard the word, go wipe them out, and he had zeal for the Lord. But get this, a couple of verses down, it says, but he did not walk with all his heart to, the, to obey the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam. So you see, he had obedience in mission, and he had zeal, and he hearkened, but he didn't have the fruit he didn't have the fruit of turning away from sin. Those that do the will of my father, he told those people, depart from me, you work iniquity. I never knew you because to know God is to fear God and to turn from sin and turn from iniquity, depart from it. So he was missing that area. And um, now the Lord rewarded him for the obedience and mission, but he also brought judgment later. I can't remember, I just read that summit book, Amos or something, for his disobedience. So, you know, the whole scope of thing, of course, with obedience and disobedience, you know, we're talking eternal, eternity, heaven and hell. Um, and, and so that's number one and most important, what side are you on, heaven and hell. But I mean, this is like daily to walk with Christ is what we're diving into. But so he wants fruits of repentance, fruits of righteousness. Okay, that's fruit. Now we're going to go to another example of it. James 1, 19 through 24. Um, okay, so... 
Know this, my beloved brethren, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at a natural face in a mirror, for he looks at him and goes away and at once forgets it. Okay, so see, I always thought this verse was talking about mission. I was like, oh, it's we got to do, we got to do. But then when I examined it, he said, turn away from all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Again, he's layering that being a hearer is turning away from sin and bearing fruit of repentance, fruit of righteousness, fruit of holiness unto God, fruits of the spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the kindness. That's how people will recognize us um, because we were made, um, or not made, I'm sorry. We were, yeah, we were made free from sin when Jesus died at the cross and we came into him. We are dead to sin, okay? But we could still choose it. And that also means we're not free from temptation, but we are free to, to live in sin. We can choose to live by the Spirit of God. So he wants us to have fruit. That's number one. Number two, we're going to talk about mission. Now, the parable is 25, 1 through 36, and then also Luke 19, 12. So we'll just say we're going on here. We got the virgins in the beginning. We've got the servant. That's who we're focusing on now. We're focusing on the servant. So there was a guy and, you know, his, it's a parable about um, a well noble man, a king who's returning to call his servants to account for what he has given them. Okay. And so he says to the one servant, the king, which is representing of Jesus, our king, who's going to come back and call us account for what we have done as his servants. And he, then the man who had received one bag of gold, he, he called him up and said, Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. So here is what belongs to you. And his master said, you wicked, lazy servant. So you know that I have harvested where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. So this king called him a wicked, lazy, unprofitable servant. So he was, he was in the kingdom. He was a servant. So the spirit was there, but he didn't do anything with the fruit. He did, just sat and didn't work and didn't do the mission. So God is calling us to obedience in fruit and he's calling us to obedience in mission. Because listen, I don't want to be the servant that he says lazy servant to, you know? I want to be the one above where he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. He's given all of us things, you know, gifts and talents and things to produce for him because it's his glory, because he did it for us, you know? And so, and we'll talk about Jesus later. And um, the next example is James 2, 14 through 17. For what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says they have faith but no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of them says, go in peace and be warmed and well fed, but does nothing about their physical need, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by action, um, is dead. So faith without works is dead. 
All right, so he wants us to be doing, okay? Our Christianity is not just for us. It's not just to sit back and enjoy the great fruits that he's done. I mean, which is great. And we have a ton of things. We've got that comfort. We got that relationship. We got all the good stuff, but it's not just for that. It's for the world that doesn't know him. So I hope that stirs you up. <laughs> and listen, I mean, I can testify, like, I, I, I think to the guy here, um, and I don't remember if I was talking about it later, but I'm going to talk about it now. But the guy here said he knew that, that the king was a hard man. And so his fear, this temptation of fear, it wasn't the right fear, okay? Because the right fear would motivate us in faith to do what God says. You know, the wrong fear is I just want to hide and not do what he says. I mean, that's not good. <laughs> like, you know, but I mean, I've experienced that. I've experienced that. I mean, sometimes I will go in the store and I'll feel the unction of the Holy Spirit. I'll feel faith. I'll feel him saying something and I'm hearing speak to that person and I'm going, I don't want to be a chicken. I don't want to be a chicken, Lord. Help me, help me. You know, sometimes I'll walk around that store like three times. Like, okay, if I pass them again. Okay, if they come up in here. I mean, so like, I'm telling you, I'm in the battle. Yeah, you know, um, it's, and I'm trying, but I want to obey him because he's worth it all. And I don't want people to die and go to hell. You know, I don't want them to suffer or, and live this life that can be extreme suffering without him, without the peace and the comfort of the one that created them and loves them. And so, you know, so I'm with you. It's, it can be, you know, difficult, but it's not, our faith is not just for ourselves. Okay. So, now I'm going to tell you about a story. And this is actually the first thing he spoke to me when Christy's like, yeah, well, if the Lord gives you anything and you think you want to speak, let me know. And he was like, this story. <laughs> and then he built it. And it brings me to tears when um, I read it. And even as I'm thinking about it now. So um, it's in Jeremiah 35. Just, you know, read the whole chapter. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. <laughs> um, but uh, this is going to show just love and loyalty because that is... Um, part of obedience, you know? So it's about the Rechabites. I'm going to read some verses. I'm going to read um, starting at five. And I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, well, let me just say this part in the backstory. God spoke to Jeremiah and he told him to go to this family named the Rechabites and to offer them wine. Okay. So that's the backstory. And so Jeremiah, it says, And I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites pots full of wine and cups, and I said unto them, Drink ye wine. But they said, We will drink no wine. For Jehonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, Ye shall not drink wine, neither ye nor your sons forever. Neither shall ye build houses, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyard, nor have any. But all your days ye shall dwell in tents, that ye may live many days in the land where ye are strangers. Thus have we obeyed the voice of Jonab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he had charged us. Will ye not, and then this, God, this is what God says, will ye not receive instruction to hearken to my words, says the Lord? So he's talking about his people now. And he says, the words of Jonab, the son of Rechab, that he commanded his sons not to drink wine, was performed unto this day. They didn't drink any wine, but they obeyed their father's commandment. And not with spoken, I, notwithstanding, I have spoken unto you, rising early and speaking, but ye hearken not to me. So like the Lord honored this family because they obeyed their father because they loved him. They knew him. They trusted their father was saying the right thing and they just did it. 
And God was recognizing this, like, my people don't do this for me. And look at them obeying their earthly father. How much more should we obey our heavenly father who has done everything for us, you know? Not just created us, but then died for us while we were yet dead in sin, while we were wicked to him. And he did it. And he did it because he loved us. And so we just want to return that love to him because he first loved us. Um, So I just am so touched by this story. Um, And also what I think is interesting too is like as I was reading it, I felt like I was thinking about it. It's like, you know, they didn't sound bitter. (laughs) You know, they didn't sound like, I got to sleep in these tents. I can't have no wine. (laughs) You know, they weren't complaining. They just did it because it was what their father told them. And like, I understand I could have that heart at times, you know, where I'm like, Lord, it's like Paul, you know, God was like, why are you kicking against the pricks? You know, it's like, just, you know, get a better, you know, Lord, help me get a better attitude, you know, and how many times the children of Israel get beat up for complaining, you know, I mean, so it's like these people that they didn't complain. They just, I mean, they lived in a tent. They didn't, weren't allowed to have any houses. I mean, nothing. I mean, I'm serious. I would have been like, wow, okay, that Lord, I want to do that for you. I want to do that for him. If he asked me, just saying, <laughs> hold me accountable. Okay, so <laughs> go to the tent. But anyway, so it's loyalty, it's love. Um, and, and, you know, and, and in their sense too, because there's, like there's like a King James definition. It's also abstaining from. You know, that's obedience. It can look like that. Like, that's what they did. They abstained from in obedience to what their father said. Um, and also, you know, the devil would say you're missing out. That's what he would say. He would say, you're missing out. They got wine. They got houses. They got plants. Uh, why don't you have that? You know, but we're like, nah, no, we're not missing out because we got the king. And right. And they had their father and they knew that their father, they trusted their father, just like we need to trust our father. Okay, so our last example is Hebrews eleven twenty three through 27. And it says, which I guess, I don't know, I, I'm only reading 24 through 27, so I don't know. But anyway, you can read 23 too. All right, by faith, Moses, who had grown up, refused to be known as the sons of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of great value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He preserved he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. So there's that word faith in the beginning, because he was hearing God. He knew God. He knew his invisible God, and he knew that God had given him a reward eternally, like we do. We know that. We know that that's what it is, you know? Um, but yet, he suffered. He suffered hardship. I mean, and again, there's tons of stories in the Bible about suffering. You know, I'm not saying this was just one that I picked out, but like they were, they were mistreating him, you know, um, they were, um, just abusing him and, and he just felt out of place, but he did not just go in to feel comforted in the sin and in what they were doing because he knew that it was much better what God had planned for him, but he was suffering. Okay. He was suffering. And, um, you know, obedience can look like suffering, um, you know, not just because of, you know, what we're giving up, but there's many other things, you know. Um, but here, 
so now we've got like a like kind of a view that it looks like fruit, you know, spirit, um, fruits of the spirit, fruit of righteousness, that's a thing, a fruit of holiness, that's a thing, a fruit of repentance, the character, what our character is gonna look more like Christ, we're transforming to that image. It's also gonna look like mission, we're gonna do the work. It's also gonna look like love and loyalty, you know, to turn away from the things. And it's also gonna look like suffering. Um, so now we're gonna look at Jesus, because of course he's the perfect example of obedience um, and the fullness, this fullness of obedience. Um, that we're looking at. And, and it says in the Bible that, you know, we are to be imitators of God. So we cannot be the son of God. You know, we can't be the son of God, Jesus, but we could be like Jesus. And that's what we need to be thinking. You know, we can be like Jesus because we have the spirit of God that was in Jesus, the same spirit. You know, the songs, I'm like, oh yeah, right, Lord, it's the same spirit. <laughs> you know? But it's true. And he can work in us. So it's exciting. Okay, so Jesus, we're going to... Um, scriptures are Luke 4, 1 through 13. You can read the whole thing, but I'm just going to kind of paraphrase some things. Like the Spirit of God led Jesus into temptation in the wilderness. So, which, I mean, we can pray, lead us not into temptation. But, um, you know, we're looking at Jesus was led into temptation. There was a testing, um, you know, so we're not better than our master. So he, he like was tempted. He tempted him with food, after he had fasted 40 days, I'm hungry, right? He tempted him with power. I'll give you all these kingdoms if you bow down and worship me. Because again, like we talked about in the beginning, Satan wants our worship. He wants our service. He wants our fruit, our mission, all these things. So but he was tempting Jesus with that. And he tempted him with the pride of life. You know, less of the eyes, less of the flesh, pride of life. Same sins from the beginning, Adam and Eve. Same sins, you know, the world brings up. And this was interesting because he spoke to him and was like, well, if you are the son of God, which of course Jesus was the son of God, but it was like Laura showing me, like he was provoking him to come away from humility and to come away from the mission because Jesus very well could have, you know, fallen, whatever, and the angels got him, but he was provoking him. So Satan wants to provoke us, you know, to come away from these fruits and this mission and, you know, the will of God, the will of the Father. Um, and you know what Jesus did? Jesus spoke back to him the word of God. And so, like, in this battle, I, I sometimes will talk to Christians, and they're like, yeah, 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 I was saying it in my head. I'm like, you can't say it in your head. <laughs> Jesus spoke it out loud to Satan. He didn't say in his head, you know, he was in this actual battle and he spoke to him and he spoke back the word of God. And that encourages my faith when I do that as well. You know, when I'm just speaking it out loud, it encourages my faith, but it also shows the enemy where my allegiance is and where I stand. You know, get thee behind me, Satan, you know, because I savor us the things of God and not the things of the world or the enemy. Okay, so he was tempted with all these things, but his character was good. He, he didn't sin. Um, for Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. So he had the good fruit. And, and listen, and Jesus dealt with conflict, you know? So, I mean, conflict is a big thing, um, you know, as Christians or even just family, whatever. 
but he, he was able to do it in righteousness. So we need to just keep looking at an example and keep praying. Because, I mean, I'm not saying I'm walking in perfection in it. But I'm saying he did it, and so he can help me. <laughs> so he had the goodness. He had the fruits of goodness. He had all the fruits. Now we're going to look at, and all of these are intertwined, you know. So, But now we're going to look at mission. So Jesus came for a mission, and he knew it. He knew he had a purpose. It was death on the cross to save us for our sins. Um, and to defeat the enemy and these works of the devil. And it says in Philippians 2, 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. So, um, you know, that's not comfortable, but he had a purpose and he had a mission just like we do. And so, you know, we need to get our, we, if we don't know what that is, I mean, go make disciples. That's one. That's one command. That's a purpose for every Christian. But there are purposes individually that we have, you know, so we got to seek God for those. But go make disciples. So that's number one. Um, but um, that's mission. Okay. <laughs> I was getting carried away there. So John, I was going to start on a whole other thing, but Lord's keeping me focused. Okay. John 5, 19 through 20 says, Jesus gave them this answer. Verily, verily, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. This is loyalty, you know, like we talked about with the Rechabites and that family. This is loyalty. There was a love. There was a relationship. There was a knowing. There was a unity. There was a connection and a loyalty. And that's what we need. Remember that faith comes from hearing God's word and it, and it comes from knowing him. You know, we got to hear him and know him and then we can act on that faith. So that's what, you know, that's how Jesus, he was one with the father, constant union. I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's possible this side. I felt like I had, so I guess I will testify a tiny bit. There was um, that Asbury revival. Whew, praise God, that's exciting. And I just watched a little clip online, and it was like the Lord spoke to me and said, bow down to me. And like I bowed down to him, and I don't know, I got to partake in whatever there was going on there because his presence was so strong. Like um, I told my husband, like, um, you know, when I go to prayer or when I'm with God, like, you know, I'm there, I'm there. But, but there's like thoughts or there's interruptions or there's, you know, whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm trying to focus, focus, focus. But like whatever, the, the strength and concentration of his presence there, like I had nothing enter my mind, nothing. I don't even know if I tried something would come in my mind other than he is worthy. And I just kept crying out. I just want to change, Lord. I just want to change. I just want to change. Like, I just want to be close to you. Like this union was so strong. And I feel like heaven's going to be that way. And nothing was entering my mind. It was just solely Jesus. And um, that's what, you know, we want. And so I don't know how much we can have here, but I want as much as we can have here. Um, you know, and I want that for everyone. But, um, but so that's what they, that's what he had. So we're still building. Okay. And so the last one is suffering. And boy, no one suffered like Jesus because, you know, first of all, he was perfect. Perfect. I mean, he didn't commit a sin at all. I mean, we're working from a deficit. We're wicked. And, but he was perfect. And the suffering that he endured, he was called a man of sorrows. They didn't want him. They hated him. They rejected him. His people, they rejected him. And, um, and he was called names. They called him Beelzebub. 
I mean, they called him names. They rejected him. They beat him. They spit on him. He suffered alone. He was looking for his friends, his disciples, his followers. Hey, guys, hang with me and let's pray. And they were sleeping. <laughs> you know, I mean, he was suffering alone. But he was connected to the Father. And so, you know, so this walk of obedience is suffering. I mean, there's trials, all kinds of trials that people experience, you know, and just like Joyce even shared about her daughter. I mean, there is suffering that I can't, I don't fully understand. I haven't experienced some of these things, but there is suffering. But, you know, what, what it is is that we have the Father, just like Jesus did, and we just have to draw from that and that alone. I mean, it, it sounds simple, but that's the truth, you know. But there is suffering in, in, in this walk of obedience. And it says, uh, Luke, oh, I forgot my, my verse here. Luke 24, 25 and 26. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things to enter into his glory? And, um, you know, Jesus entered into glory through his suffering, but he, he, but he got us too. That was how he got us. That's how we could be free. But he does allow us also, it says, um, in 1 Peter 4.13, but rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. So he allows us to partake in the suffering and to partake in his glory. I mean, it's not our glory, but we get to partake in it through the joy to see, you know, what is going on. So Jesus, and it also says in 1 Peter I don't think that was the verse I was going to say, but anyway, he learned obedience through what he suffered. You know, that's, I don't, I must not put the verse in there, but I meant to put that verse in there. <laughs> he learned obedience through what he suffered. And so oftentimes our obedience or our suffering um, can produce obedience, which is beautiful. You know, it's beautiful to God. In 1 Peter 4, 1, and I think Nikki and Brianna, we were talking about this. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Not my will be done, but yours, your will be done. You know, he didn't turn to anything else. And that's just what we need to cry out for, you know, not to turn to anything else in the suffering um, because we all suffer. But it's again, it's that communion and that and in different ways and the persecuted church. I mean, we suffer persecution here. I mean, when I got saved, my family was like, she's a holy roller. What's wrong with her? I mean, they were saying all kinds of things about me. <laughs> they were saying all kinds of things about me. Um, but I was like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, because I was partaking in his suffering. I mean, that was a little. I mean, there's people who were really physically suffering, you know, for his name. But, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I was suffering some. So we see how Jesus, you know, he's the full scope of this fruit, mission, um, somebody help me love, and loyalty and suffering. And here's one short testimony too, because because I gotta tell you, this was like just an exciting testimony. It happens a couple, well, some years ago. But, um, you know, so, so, our, if we have lust in our flesh and, and you know, because Satan wants to, to draw on that, you know, it talks about that in James, like you're drawn away by your own lust. OK, so um, I was like I used to be very much in the world and I used to listen to music. That was like my thing. And I was working at the dentist's office and they had all these worldly songs on. And normally it just didn't bother me. But for some reason, like 
this lust was inflamed, like Satan was sending fiery darts. I was getting inflamed in the lust. And these songs were starting to like stir up my flesh. And I'm like, no, no, no. And I'm crying at my death. And I'm like, Lord, take down that false God. Like you took down Dagon in the Old Testament. Just take him down. Help me. Deliver me from this. I don't want to give in to this lust, you know. I was suffering right there. I was really suffering. And, um, and I prayed and I cried out. And I left to go to lunch. And I came back and the radio was broke. It was broken. <laughs> it was broken. I was like... Wow. <laughs> and, it, and it stayed broken for a month. He did not get another radio for a month. And by then, I was past that thing. But it was like the Lord was so good. But like I didn't turn to anything else. Like I just turned to him. I cried out. And he did it. I mean, he did something miraculous there. But I mean, wow. Yeah. So... Anyway, so, you know, God uses these trials and these temptations to mold us as well, you know. Um, 2 Corinthians 14, 7, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them. So, like, we've got to keep these things in mind, guys. Living for heaven. Um, so, and it produces character. That It talks about that in Romans 5, 3 through 5. You know, it produces something in us. So, suffering produces something in us. And then... Um, so I just want to finish up here with, um, you know, how we talked about what obedience looks like. It looks like knowing the Father, you know, and in, in those areas that we talked about. And, um, and so I want to turn it towards us now. Um, if you guys want to come on up, the worship team. We're going to do a little song here. And I felt like God was saying, do an altar call. Um, so... Examine, you know, Paul said, examine yourself, see if you be of the faith. Because again, our obedience is going to be an action of our faith. Are we in the faith? Are we hearing what he's saying and putting it into practice? So just examine your hearts as, you know, they play here and think about if there's any of these areas, you know, are, is there the sin? Are you not having the fruit? Is there the sin in your life? Is it the mission? I'm not doing the work, Lord. You know, is it the loyalty and the love returning to your first love? Has he just, has it just become dull? And you're like, yeah, I love Jesus, but it's not fiery, you know, returning to your first love. Or is it the suffering? Has, has it become too much for you to bear and that you need to put it at the feet of Jesus? You know, because you can't bear it, but he can, and he can carry it for you and help you. So, um, you know, what is he speaking to you right now? And I'm just going to... Um, Say, let's come up if somebody wants to come up, he's speaking to you, and I'm going to pray for us. And um, just repent of the disobedience or the thing, um, and just cry out to him, because he wants to help us in this. He wants to change us, um, to transform us into this image of Jesus that we talked about, you know? And it's through that union, it's through that communion, it's through that relationship with the Father, knowing the Father, so let me just pray for us. And if anybody wants to come up and just leave something at the altar, you know, there's something powerful about that. I remember he spoke to me when I had sinned and he said, come to the altar, Nicole, and leave it there. And I felt it. It was there. I walked away from that altar and that sin was gone. And so, Father, I just come in the name of Jesus right now, Lord, and I just pray the power of your presence. I pray the power of the Holy Spirit here, Lord, as you're dealing with people, Lord, conviction is good. Lord, I pray that you will draw anybody to this altar that needs to leave something here, that needs to be refreshed, that needs to return to their first love, that needs to come and just submit.
that full surrender, that full obedience, Lord, as we walk in your spirit, as we learn to know you more, Lord. And if it's just that we need to know you, Lord, we need to know you, I pray that they come and they speak to you, Lord, and do business with you, Lord. Whatever it looks like, Lord, the pain, whatever it is, that they could leave it, Lord, at the altar and walk away afresh and anew, Lord, that you can help change us because you care and it's for your glory and you love us and you love us. And we just thank you for this, Lord, this time. I thank you for these ladies and continue to go with us and teach us and train us, Lord, and that our obedience will cause that enemy to flee because you also said that if we forget the things of God, if we forsake the things of God, the enemy will pursue us. But Lord, that our obedience would cause him to flee. And I just pray this and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.